Welcome to the Taz Show Podcast. Big weekend here, long weekend, Devin. A lot going on in the city. There's almost uh, too much going on in the city. We've got the uh, Ontario Summer Games. There's uh, Rib Fest, which mm-hmm. now has craft beer involved. So it's a craft beer festival. Double whammy. You sampled some of the ribs yesterday. What booth were they from? From uh, Lou Dogs. Lou Dog. And uh, they were fall off the bone. We had. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had some ribs. We had some pulled pork. It was fantastic. <laughs> you're getting exasperated. I'm thinking like, about there. Are you? Do you need a napkin? Are you starting to I, drool I can, over there? I can. I can still taste. I can still taste the ribs a little bit. They're I think you good. might still have sauce on your shirt. <laughs> uh, I didn't want to wipe it off. I didn't want to forget the memory. It's it's a good time at Rib Fest, Elderton. Yep. Big day for them tomorrow. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Elderton from uh, Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer. That is something where if you don't have tickets yet, uh, you're probably out of luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tickets were free. You didn't have to buy them, but you will need a ticket to get into the Elderton Fairgrounds for the festivities. But it's going to be a super fun uh, time. And of course, this is the start of really what's going to be a cool period for Tessa Virtue. Scott Murray they just got added, or they're going to be added soon to the uh, Walk of Fame. So it's uh, a nice time for them to be recognized, but also for uh, uh, Tessa and Scott to recognize uh, their hometown. Well, I know next week is going to be a busy one for FM 96 concert fans. We got Slayer, who are a heavy metal uh, act, very popular, coming through town with a bunch of other bands supporting them. And this is going to be their final tour. Kudos and congratulations to all the FM 96 listeners who won their way in, including the mayor of Slayer. We gave away a meet and greet with the band and floor tickets to Dan Burns, one of our listeners this morning. He's going to have a fun Monday. Smashing Pumpkins, a huge band, coming to town on Thursday next week at Bud Gardens. And this is only supposed to be for FM 96 freeloaders, but since this is the 96 take, I'm sharing it with you guys. Special deal, 96 bucks can get you two tickets in the 100 sections, just use when you are, are getting your tickets on the phone, on online, or in person, the uh, password FM96. FM96 is the password. Can't beat it. Two tickets for 96 bucks. Earlier in the week, we spoke with author Jeff Mache. He was behind a Daily Beast article about uh, the big McDonald's monopoly scam. And yesterday, news broke that the story has been picked up by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. They're making it into a movie directed by Affleck, starring Matt Damon. It's going to be huge because the story is so wild. Listen to this. The Tashel Podcast. People everywhere are winning big, playing the Monopoly game at McDonald's. Kyle McKinnon won a Sega Saturn with a Daytona USA game. Jerry Colombo won a Dodge Viper. And there are two $1 million prizes left. With millions of prizes left, you could be next. Have you had your break today? Everybody loves playing the Monopoly game at McDonald's. I remember uh, collecting those game pieces, dreaming about winning the million-dollar prize. Well, this story uh, went viral on the weekend, and it is, it's something else. The headline is, How an Ex-Cop Rigged McDonald's Monopoly Game and Stole Millions. The author of this story for the DailyBeast.com is Jeff Mache, and he's on the phone with us. Jeff, like, this is just so bizarre. Yeah, well, it was one guy that was doing all of the theft. Uh, his name was Jerome Jacobson. And he was in charge of 
sending the winning game pieces out from the printer to the McDonald's factories. And in the late 1980s, he started stealing those game pieces and selling them to friends and family. The story is remarkable. I, f- I felt like I was reading an Elmore Leonard novel or watching a Scorsese movie as I was reading this this piece you wrote because the characters and the the coincidences, the circumstances are just they're so out there. If you made it up, no one would believe it. Uh, Uncle Jerry is is the name that they referred to Jerome as, and. He just, by chance, happened to be sitting in an airport next to a mobster, and that's really where the scam took off, right? Yes, everyone in this story is a real character, and of course, the mob get involved. Whenever there's something going on uh, to do with uh, scams, the mob get involved, and the Colombo family uh, started seeding tickets, taking those winning game pieces and distributing them to fake winners all across the United States. Jerry would get a kickback from all of this. He People would take out mortgages, second mortgages on their house, give him 50 grand. In exchange, they'd get a million-dollar winning Monopoly game piece. Yeah, and this went on for 12 years. It was the perfect crime. Um, until the FBI got involved, you know, this crime would probably still be going on today. When you look into one of these stories, I'm assuming you're actually, you're out there, you're, you're talking to the people on both sides of the story, the law and people who perpetrated the crime. Did you talk to Uncle Jerry at all? I didn't talk to Uncle Jerry. He wouldn't talk, but I did speak to dozens of other people involved in the crime. Um, there were 50 defendants, 50 people were convicted of winning these fake uh, prizes. So um, I spoke to a lot of those guys and the Colombo crime family. Uh, who told me exactly how the how the caper went down? You got to read the story. I don't want to say what happened within the Colombo crime family, but it almost makes you believe in karma. You said that uh, Jerry almost seemed to feel some re- remorse after his trial. He shook the hand of the prosecutor. Yes, he did. He said it was the biggest mistake of his life. Um, but most people do say that uh, when they're on the <laughs> when they're on the stand. When they're about to be sentenced, yeah. <laughs> He didn't do a lot of time. He just did three years, uh, Jerry Jacobson. Um, but he's still paying back over $12 million in restitution. Wow. He did $24 million approximately is what he got away with stealing, right? That's right. And he was a former police officer. He used to search the employees of the, uh, the factory where they were printing the McDonald's Monopoly game pieces. He wouldn't even let them go to the bathroom by themselves. Everybody was shocked when it was revealed who the thief was because... Uncle Jerry, as he was called, was a complete stickler for security. He, he invented all of the security protocols to keep these game pieces safe. So, in a way, he was, it was the perfect crime. Near the start of the piece, you just mentioned just about how widespread lottery fraud is. I'd never really thought about it, but after the fact, you can see just how it would be so alluring for these people who are on the inside of these different lotteries to try and get something for themselves. Exactly, yeah. I mean, lottery theft and fraud has been going on since, well, since lotteries began, and it's probably never going to stop. It would be tough if someone came up to you and said, I've got this this little piece of paper. It's worth a million dollars. Do you want it? It would be very hard not to say, yeah, I'll take it. Of course. I could use a million dollars right now. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> what about, uh, was he distributing any of the free shakes or uh, french fries? <laughs> or did he let those ones slide through? I don't know if he was distributing uh, fillet of fishes. Um, I think he was more focused on the cash prizes. 
Journalist and author Jeff Mache is on the phone. He wrote the Daily Beast story, How an Ex-Cop Rigged McDonald's Monopoly Game and Stole Millions. The story kept building on itself as we're reading it. As you're putting it together and compiling it, was there ever a point where you just thought, no, that, that part, no, that, that can't, and then you obviously back it up with the reporting, but were you ever thought, just thought, that's that's a step too far? Yeah, there were there were a number of moments in this story. I think... The first time I realized that the, the mob were involved, someone actually told me on the phone, everyone wanted to keep it quiet that the mob were involved because McDonald's wouldn't like that. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's, uh, that's, I'm, I'm on the right track here. We've got ourselves a story. McDonald's is a victim in this as well. I, it, people were upset, clearly, that they didn't have a chance to win, but it's not like McDonald's knew this was going on until the very last contest uh, that they put on before Uncle Jerry was arrested. McDonald's had no idea, and they were shocked when the FBI called them. But they did everything right. They apologized, they made a TV commercial saying sorry, and they gave away an extra $10 million in prizes just to, just to make it up to the American people. Now, we are in Canada, and one thing that stuck out is is uh, Uncle Jerry, the guy who was stealing the McDonald's Monopoly game pieces, the big winners, he thought he had an ace in the hole, and it involves the Great White North. It does. He, uh, he claimed that Simon Marketing, the company in charge of the promotion, stopped Canadians from winning prizes. He claimed that whenever the supercomputer pulled out uh, a factory in Canada to receive a prize that they would rerun the computer system until it produced a winner in the United States. So effectively, he claimed that no Canadians could win uh, big money prizes. Was there ever a, a class action lawsuit against the company or against McDonald's? Yes. Well, someone tried. Um, a bunch of Burger King franchisees tried to sue them. Uh, and there, were, there were a few lawsuits flying around. Uh, McDonald's sued Simon Marketing, who countersued. It was a bit of a mess. Um, but eventually, uh, the, the company, Simon Marketing, uh, folded. It could no longer do business after the scandal. And one of the reasons a lot of people don't know about this story is because the trial uh, for Uncle Jerry started right around 9-11 back in 2001. Well, yeah, that's why you're probably thinking, I've never heard of this story. And the trial started on September the 10th, just the day before 9-11. So, obviously, just news overtook events, and the, the, the media didn't report so much on the, on the McDonald's scandal when there was so much other stuff going on. Where did you hear about it then? Because I, 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 I had no recollection of it whatsoever. Right. Uh, well, someone sent me a link um, to a, a very small news story about the case, and I thought, there's got to be more to this. Uh, and there really was, and this story has obviously gone... Uh, very viral on, on the internet this week, and a lot of people are talking about it, which is great. Have movie producers been in touch with you, Jeff? Because it, re it reads like like a Hollywood tale. Um, I think every movie producer in Los Angeles has <laughs> called me in the last 24 hours, so hopefully we'll, we'll see if we can get something going. Who should play Uncle Jerry? Oh, I don't know. I, I like Tom Cruise, but it's probably not the right role. <laughs> Anyone but Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right, Jeff Mage, it really, it's an amazing read. You've written some of my favorite stuff on the Daily Beast. Scarface of Sex is another one I want to see turned into a film. That's a great read as well. You can find a lot of Jeff's articles on his website, jeffmache.com. Read the dailybeast.com and we'll put links to both on the Taz Show blog at fm96.com. Author, journalist Jeff Mache, thanks for uh, joining us here on the show this morning. Thank you. The Taz Show Podcast. Beings are disposable, but man and symbiote combined. This is the new race, new species. A higher life form. We are Venom. Did you see the trailer this week that was released for the new Venom movie while we're uh, talking about comic books, Dev? I saw it. It was, uh, was quite the trailer. Are you into the character? Do you know a lot about Venom? I know almost nothing about Venom. I've got some questions, though. you got some questions. What are they? Hit me. Is Venom a good guy? Bad guy? What's going on here? He is... He's kind of like a Deadpool, where he does some questionable things, but he, in the end, he, a lot of the stuff he does is for the greater good. He's trying to help. But he's he's like an anti-hero. The way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? So, does he shoot venom? Like Spider-Man shoots spiders, spider webs. He has like uh, the symbiote stuff, which is like this black. In the comics, it's an alien. Uh, compound that comes from outer space originally attaches itself uh, to Spider-Man as Spider-Man's black costume and then uh, starts messing with Spider-Man's brain, turns into Venom and then hooks on to Eddie Brock. Spider-Man, from all accounts, is not in this movie, so I don't know how they're going to do the origin of the uh, the substance. Well, where's Spider-Man? Like, He's uh, he's with the Avengers fighting Thanos right now. So is this, is this in that timeline? I have no idea, Dev. <laughs> this is um what's what's his face it's uh Tom Hardy Tom Hardy right he was um uh, he was Bane uh-huh. in the Batman mo- in uh, the Batman movie which was one of my favorite Batman movies he was uh in Mad Max Fury Road uh-huh so he's got a little, got a lot of things we're covering up his face yeah he's always got something on his face and he's always a little hard to understand well yeah like enunciate Tom Hardy <laughs> the the trailer's got him uh Licking people, mm-hmm. uh, talking about eating stuff. Does, yeah, does venom eat people? Apparently, it's kind of weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> does venom turn back into the normal guy? Yeah, it's a back and forth thing. So he'll be normal guy for a bit. Eddie Brock, played by Tom Hardy in this situation, and judging by the trailer, they're going to stick with he goes Venom and then he turns back, and it's like like a a Hulk situation. Yeah, it's like a dual personality where they he's in his head and Venom talks to him and he talks back to Venom, sort of deal. So when he becomes Venom, becomes big, right? And he eats people. I guess when he becomes small. Does like, he poop the people well, out? Like, you got you got a lot of bones in there. Like how do you uh, how do you digest that? I mean, what's what's Venom's digestive tract like? Uh-huh. Because Compared Eddie, to Eddie Brock, Eddie Brock, you know, it's that's a it's a that's a tough ask for Eddie. 
It's a tough story? What? It's a tough ask. Oh, a tough ask. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it would be a very tough ask the next day on the toilet for poor Eddie Brock. The Tash Show Podcast. Athletes from all over the province going to be in London this weekend, Dev. The Ontario Summer Games uh, began yesterday. There were only a handful of events yesterday. The opening ceremonies for uh, last night at... Uh, at Western University, and really it kicks into gear today. So it goes uh, today, tomorrow, and Sunday. you got 3,500 athletes, coaches, officials all participating in London. This is really neat. The triathlon event is going to be held on private property. There's a guy named Mike Radcliffe. He's got his own private 40-acre lake (laughs) on his property, and that's where the athletes are going to be competing in the triathlon uh, this weekend. Mike joins us on the phone. Welcome to the show. Excellent. Uh, how uh, how does one come to own a 40-acre lake? <laughs> it, it helps being in the real estate business. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I just I found an old gravel pit and, uh, and decided to build my house on it. And the water was already in the gravel pit? It was, yes. Yep. That's so cool, man. Your your lake is so big. No, who owns a lake? It's so big that you get white caps, like right. waves in this thing, I hear. Uh, on the big windy days, yes. Yeah, it's a good size water. Do you take part in water sports? Your family uh, get out there and enjoy it? We do. Yeah, we wakeboard in it. <laughs> My goodness. I'm so jealous. <laughs> It's, it's a hidden gem. You you wakeboard in the lake. You you also like to share it, which is why you've invited the Ontario Summer Games out uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, they're they're having the triathlon on your property. Yes. So how did that come about? So uh, about three years ago, um, a group, a triathlon group, approached me to see if they could just use my water uh, once a week for training purposes and. I had no issue with that. It's kind of fun watching them. And so obviously the word got out in that uh, in the triathlon world, and uh, they just approached me. <laughs> it's like owning a pickup truck. That's right. <laughs> you get one buddy who calls you, hey, can you help me move? And then he tells another buddy, next thing you know, your phone's ringing off the hook. You're, <laughs> you're the pickup truck guy, except in this case, Mike, you're the, uh, you're the lake guy. That's right. <laughs> I, I hear you, you've really uh, helped out the community as well. You store bikes for them, and uh, you let them train out on your property quite a bit now. We do, yes. Uh, yeah. So once a week, or actually it's, now it's twice a week right now, they're coming out Mondays and Wednesdays. Are people allowed on your property to come and watch the triathlon this weekend? They are. I think we have room for whoever wants to come. <laughs> but you've, I, I you've cornered off a spot for yourself so you get a nice, I mean, you deserve like the best, best seat in the house. Well, we do, we do have the deck ourselves, so. <laughs> what do we have to do to get invited out for a private wakeboarding session? <laughs> need to call me and we need to talk (laughs) right on that is so cool mike radcliffe he owns a 40 acre lake in the area and you're invited to his place to watch the ontario summer games this weekend whereabouts are you if people want to come check out the action so we are on 14 mile road between vanek and denfield road mike enjoy the uh the athleticism this weekend and kudos to you for being such a generous guy with your lake Thanks so much. Appreciate it. The Taz Show Podcast. Phone is ringing. Hello, FM 96. How you doing, Taz? Good. What's going on? Good, good. It's Trainwreck Randy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I was thinking more rock bottom Randy. <laughs> here, here. But I was listening to your show. I tried to call in yesterday for the lighter uh, train wreck. Okay, yeah, yeah. 
more lighthearted. I mean, I got those too. I remember I'm 17 years old. I'm living in Saskatoon, and I start dancing uh, as a male dancer for this escort class. Asks escorts. <laughs> so my first gig, I go out and I'm as nervous and and, and shy and scared. Um, but I, I work my way through it and everything else. I think everything's going great. Turns out at the end of the night, I go to get dressed and go home. They stole all my clothes, my everything. I had to wrap myself in a blanket and walk home. <laughs> the women that you were dancing for stole your clothes. Yes. And that's just a rookie mistake, I'm sure, is you, you didn't bring any backup sweatpants or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't think I needed it. <laughs> it was my first gig, first time I am. 17 years old. Who was thinking? Well, hold on. <laughs> you're 17 years old and you're working as an escort? You can't even buy a, a Playboy magazine when you're 17. No, exactly. It was a lot of years ago, so it was different back then. All right. Okay, Randy. <laughs> I, I'm starting to get a sense uh, as to why you, you drank so much later in life. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you had some traumatic experiences early on. Oh, for sure. Like for driving sure. home naked in the cold Saskatoon winter. Randy doesn't have any secrets, though. No. He's I an open book. I like to put it out there. That's how you deal with it. And what kind of money did you make? How long did your uh, your exotic dancing career last, Randy? Well, I did it for about four years. And I was making anywhere from eight, eight to 1000 bucks a week. Wow. Yeah. That's like a thousand bucks per inch. <laughs> Train wreck, Randy. Rock bottom, Randy. You have yourself a great long weekend. Try to stay out of jail, okay? I will. I will. And you guys have a good one too. The Tash Show podcast.